This isn't Grandma's radio show. We talk about slobber knocking fights. Ground and pound. Rear naked jokes. Plug your ears if you don't want to hear it. It's coming up next, another brand new episode of Sucker Radio. This is MMA fight music producer Mikey Ruckus, and you are listening to another edition of Sucker Radio with your host, Jeremy Brand. Be sure to catch all your mixed martial arts news and interviews and updates at www.mmasucker.com. I can't Sucker Radio is back, folks. I am your host, Jeremy Brand, and we have an absolutely jam-packed show for you this week. Right here on MMASucker.com, as well as LastWordOnSports.com, once you wrap up with this show, make sure you head on over to both those fantastic websites. Once again, that's MMASucker.com and LastWordOnSports.com. Before we get into who my guests are, I'd like to thank ProAmBelts.com for helping us out with the show. Head on over there for all your championship belt needs. Head on over to Onnit.com for all your supplement needs and kettlebells and all that other training goodness. Um, Onnit.com, use the promo code MMASucker. And also, we're back on board with DraftKings, folks. That is right. This weekend, UFC 190 goes down. A $100,000 prize pool for UFC 190, Ronda Rousey versus Betch Correa. First place in this pool wins $10,000. It is a $3 entry and free for new users. So use the coupon code or promo code, whatever you want to call it, MMA Sucka. When you are entering uh, your first time users, and it will be free for your playing pleasure. The top 7,850 finishing positions will get paid. Start Saturday, August 1st at 7 p.m. Eastern Time, 4 p.m. Pacific. And as always, DraftKings is a salary cap style drafting system. $50,000 to select your five favorite fighters maybe they're not your favorite but they're your favorite for these picks for a chance at 10 grand for first place amazing i'd love to have 10 grand in my pocket after a three dollar bet or free if it was my first time signing up so head on over to draftkings.com we have a few different draftkings articles over at mmasucka.com depending on when you're listening to this show um we got our draftkings preview which is up on the site right now, which you can check out. It gives sort of a breakdown of of the best picks to make, the underdog picks to make, and my Jeremy Brand's picks to make. But also what we're going to do is we usually have a UFC staff predictions piece. That will be up later in the week. But also what we're going to do is a DraftKings staff picks. So I'm going to take a picture of each and every um, staff members draft Kings picks, throw them up on the site and you can use them to see how they all play out. And I mean, <coughs> excuse me, depending on how you like it, you might like one of their, uh, entries. So use them, talk to them, tweet with them and tell them what you think. Head on over to DraftKings.com, enter in, uh, the $3 pool for a chance at a $10,000 first place prize, a hundred thousand dollar prize pool. Spoken enough about that. Let me get right into my guests. I will tell you who they are. I have three great guests for your listening pleasure. Uh, At the end of the show, I'm going to chat with Chelsea Green. You may not know the name. You may want to tune out. I highly doubt it, though, because this chick, she is a diva. She is in the WWE Tough Enough series. She made a, a return to the show. She she wasn't initially picked, but she made it back to the show as sort of a, a plot twist. She's from up here in Vancouver, British Columbia, actually Victoria, BC, to be precise. Um, she's wrestled on the BC local indie scene, and now she has a chance to win the Tough Enough series. So I chat with her about that, as well as who she thinks will win Ronda Rousey versus Betch Correa this weekend. Also on the show, UFC fighter Benil Dariush joins the show. He's got a co-main event bout against Michael Johnson, and I'll be chatting with him about that. But right now, I'm going to chat with Darcy McBride, Battlefield Fight League commentator, about some shenanigans that went down this past weekend right after this. 
the champion, Ronda Rousey. Rowdy, Ronda Rousey, and Kohea both unbeaten inside the octagon. They hate each other, and they're going to fight with the women's bantamweight title on the line. Oh, wow! <laughs> Joining me now is one half of the commentating team for Battlefield Fight League, and he owns a place in Nanaimo called Dish. Please welcome Darcy McBride to Sucker Radio. Darcy, man, it's been a while. Yeah, Jared. Uh, you know, we, we used to get to catch up and do this very often, and although we speak personally uh, regularly these days, we haven't had a chance to, to sit back and talk some MMA, and judging from this past weekend, we've got a few things to discuss. That is exactly the reason why I want to have you on. There is uh, some notable stuff to talk about that happened at Battlefield Fight League 37 this past weekend at the Hard Rock Casino. First and foremost is the Ash Mash Raggy Leo Xavier incident. Now, this thing went down. These two guys weren't even fighting on the card. They got a match scheduled for September. Who knows if that'll happen anymore with what happened in the cage. But basically what went down, if you didn't catch this on the Fight Network or the GIF, thanks to Zombie Prophet over on Twitter, um, the two buttheads, uh, Ash took Leo down, and the rest is history. Darcy, you got in the middle of this a little bit with one arm. Not too much else could uh, could help you out there. Just talk about the experience and, and what exactly happened and what was going through your mind when this all went down. Yeah, you know, um, I I was in, obviously we do, you know, a little bit of pre-interviews uh, for some of the fights when there's a big marquee fight coming up, and Ash and Dan was a great fight. We know that Leo now is next in line. What people might not know, and, you know, although I was privy to the knowledge before, it kind of jumped right in my face and proved itself there, was there's a history between the two gyms, uh, you know, Iron City Muay Thai and, and, you know, some of the other places training out of, uh, and, you know, and then you have Leo's gym as well um, with Lions MMA and some of the guys there. And, you know, Vancouver Vancouver has a long history in the combat sports kind of world. And well, what, we seen, what we saw there, I think, was, you know, a little bit of a boil over. And, and I don't think there was any intention to go in there and have, you know, a, a cut a WWE-style promo, you know. Uh, what happened, though, was these guys are two guys that are competing for the highest level of mixed martial arts that they can at this level, and, you know, I, I guess it was a message sending from one to the other, you know, you kind of seen Ash, uh, as I said, and, you know, maybe to my own discredit, saying, you know, I'm going to be brave here and let these guys face off, not prior, uh, you know, priorly requesting to have maybe a little bit of an, an inflated security presence in the cage, and, you know, number one rule of broadcasting, you never put that microphone down, so, yes, what am I going to do? Uh, as an average guy with minimal training when two of these trained guys are going (laughs) at each other? Probably not not much. Um, Did I expect it to get to that level? Not entirely. I thought maybe, you know, they'd have a little push back and forth. I'd separate them and everybody could cheer their way uh, out of the cage sort of thing. Clearly that didn't happen. Um, Thankfully, nobody injured. Thankfully, the fighter's not injured. Myself, to be honest, you know, like you said, kind of caught in the middle of it. you know what it did do, and I, I can I can attest to this because I have the notes in my email, and I was almost compelled to screen capture and post the notes and the cues for the interview, just so that the idea of this thing being staged could be eliminated. Um, you know, was given the cues I was given to ask the questions I was asked, and I followed through and did my part. And uh, unfortunately, you know, it ignited what you saw there live on the Fight Network. Um, could could have been worse, but definitely could have turned out a little more positive in terms of maybe the way it was perceived by some of our viewers. For sure. Now, these two guys heated, obviously. Um, there's been there's been both sides of the spectrum when it comes to, to people's perceptions of how this went. There there were the pros that that this is great and, and it's hyping up the fight. And then there are the cons that think that this kind of stuff has nothing to do with MMA and it's very Bush League. Where where do you sit with this? I think it's somewhere near the middle, to be honest. To say that it's not a part of MMA, um, I think would would be, I don't want to use the word, um, not ignorant, but I think it would be a little bit, um, 
I don't know. When you have a sport where guys are literally physically beating each other into submission, you have to expect that during the time the competition isn't happening, there's still some emotion. What you know, many people might fail to realize is these guys don't just live a normal nine to five life and then show up on you know this case going to be September 11th. They're both just going to show up after work one day and go in and scrap it out. These guys are dieting every day. They're training every day. They're putting their bodies through things that the average person, I mean, you know not to pump a tire or anything. I trained with some of the guys over here on the island, Jerick Nelson, you know, uh, former battlefield middleweight champ, Ryan Ballingall, who was in action this weekend. I trained with some of these guys three nights a week only, and that's all I get because I do run a business. And I can't even begin to imagine what it would take to be in the gym twice a day, six to seven days a week, and dedicating your life to that craft, all while dieting, all while the mental side of it, trying to live a normal life. We all know these guys don't make UFC money yet, you know? Um, so... You know, there is a bit of a firecracker there that can get lit if the wrong things are said. Um, obviously, we've seen in the past that Ash is a pretty colorful guy and will come out and kind of, you know, push the envelope a little bit. And I don't, I don't put him in any higher um, disregard here than I do Leo. You can see from the photos that both men clearly were face-to-face, nose-to-nose. It's not like this was in any way a one-sided attack from either side. Um, I just think this was a... You know, maybe a little bit of a boil over. Um, I think that it may have been blown out of proportion, being that it was on live TV a little bit. Uh, what I think, though, is is it a part of mixed martial arts? No. But is it something that you would never expect to see happen? Absolutely not. And in the grand scheme of things, we had John Jones and Daniel Cormier take place in something like this similar, what was that, five, six months back now? Before that, I couldn't tell you the last time it happened. So it's not like this is commonplace. No, it's not at all. And and as you and I both said, these two are supposed to face off in September. Do you think the commission does anything to either one of these guys? Well, you know, I had an interesting conversation um, with a with a guy that's well known on your show and personally to yourself and Micah Brakefield, um, you know, former amateur middleweight champion in his own right. And he talked about um, after him and Ash had had their fight and the fight was stopped. Um, he unintentionally and probably, you know, incoherently gave Kevin Dornan a pretty good shot, thinking that the fight might have been stopped a little prematurely. And they were apparently looking at putting a 12-month ban on Micah Brakefield after that had happened. Now, I don't know if it was Micah's wit and his charm, wink, wink, um, (laughs) that got him out of that. Anybody that doesn't know Micah knows he's a pretty colorful character. Um, But it was was something that was on the table for him, and, and that could have hindered his progress. And, you know, that's for a light shove of an official, and not to put a official secondary, but perception-wise, a light shove after being, you know, TKO'd and then getting your wits back about you is probably seen in better light than, you know, what people saw on Saturday night, depending who you are and what you think of it. Personally, do I think there'll be a uh, suspension? Um, I don't think that there'll be a suspension. My reasoning behind that is that if you look back to the tape, there was never any physical strikes thrown. And I don't know the criteria, and I'm by all means not the decision maker and, and, you know, the one to drop the gavel here. But I I think that between the fact that it was as isolated as it was, the camps weren't in the cage, so this wasn't like a five-on-five. You know, Kevin Dorn and Tony Williamson, Big Rich was in there quickly. Um, my left arm did what it could. <laughs> and and this thing this thing was broken up quickly enough before any physical damage. Now, visual damage was done, absolutely. And at that point, you have to look at, you know, I know that um, Mr. Mike Patton out there, uh, part of the, the council, wasn't too happy about it, or part of the commission, sorry, wasn't too happy about it. And rightfully so, you know, I know him in particular, along with some other guys, have worked tirelessly just to be able to have this sport working out in our city. So I'm hoping that they're going to, you know, see that everybody came out of it, you know, fairly unscathed. If anything, it has drummed up more attention, positive or negative. As a broadcasting student, I know all about any press being good press. Um, Some ways, not always in the eye of the reader, but most times you're opening them up to something they may not have known about. I have to think that there isn't a suspension and that this fight goes through September 11th. Um, If it doesn't, at least we have the prospect of a great main event in Kyle Nelson and Jeremy Kennedy, which should have headlined the card last Saturday. Definitely. Moving away from that topic, let's talk a little bit more about Battlefield Fight League 37. The main event, Ryan Janes taking everything but the friggin' toilet or kitchen sink or whatever you want to say to the face 
unscathed. The guy wasn't bleeding at all. I don't think he dropped an ounce of sweat from his head. How how does this guy do that? I mean, he he ended up finishing Brendan Kornberger in the fourth round via rear naked choke. An absolutely amazing performance to be able to take the punishment that he took for those four rounds. I honestly, Jeremy, I've never seen anybody get hit like that and not react. Like, I i don't know, I, a quick tally in my head, I'm at a few hundred, maybe coming up on 500 fights that I've, you know, sat cage-side and called or been cage-side cornering. Come up. I've never seen somebody get that kind of abuse. And, and you know, and, and you say abuse, but then you've seen him after, and he was completely unscathed. And, you know, the couple little mouses under the eye, and Brennan Kornberger, I know from, you know, personal time of working closely with Adam and, and going to the gym and training myself and watching him do his thing with his side of the gym, it, Brendan Kornberger was a real threat to Ryan James's title. I thought, anyways, leading into the fight. I know Ryan James has got that Terminator style of coming forward. You can hit him with everything you can hit him with. Now, people that don't know, Brendan Kornberger is an active firefighter, and you know those guys carry a lot of gear and equipment, and naturally makes their bodies pretty strong. And I know he's got serious power in his hands. You've seen evidence of that. I don't know if it was Ryan just slipping it enough to be able to turn his chin and have that punch slide off. I don't know. You know, I, I know that, uh, well, my stepdad's a Newfie, and, you know, he's, they always say that they're pretty thick-headed, and it's, that, <laughs> it's just a Newfie thing, and I say that tongue-in-cheek jokingly, of course, as Ryan came out to some slander. And, and he did a great job of, you know, slipping just enough to use that front teep. He was able to bloody Brendan up a little bit, and when he found his opening, that length came to play, the knee landed to the sternum and then came up and touched the chin and put Brendan down for that split second that Ryan needed. Uh, you know, to be able to finish the fight. But have I ever seen anything like that in terms of damage, Jeremy? I haven't, man. That's That was something else. No, yeah, that, it was absolutely wild. Now, Ryan Janes, I know, was a guy that, that made it pretty far um, on the Ultimate Fighter Nations tryouts um, a couple years back. He, he, he made it pretty far from what I heard. He is unbeaten in quite some time. What do you think is next for this guy? Do you think he defends the title, or do you think something bigger and better is in his picture? Um, I think, you know, although he's had a couple of great performances, I'm not sure that either guy or Namorthy just a quick parallel in comparison um, to two-time UFC bonus winner Matt Dwyer, the welterweight champion in Battlefield. It, it, you know, the couple of wins he had over Sean Marcus Johnson, um, post-UFC versions of them, those are still name tags, you know what I mean? And Brendan, to his own credit, you know, it's an MFC and series and all these other promotions veteran as well, um, but you know, that TV recognition of a, a name that, you know, was a 185-pound fighter in the UFC with a result. If, you know, somehow could convince one of those guys to come in and take an opportunity against Ryan, and Ryan can take advantage of that and, you know, finish the fight again and come out looking looking and smelling like roses, uh, you'd think with that 9-1 and record you would then have with his credentials, you'd have to see him getting a shot in the big show. Even if it's not the UFC, I mean, this guy trains with some beasts over in Zuma, and uh, he he could fight for any of the top promotions. I'm not saying that Battlefield is not, but he might want to test his skills elsewhere. Yeah, Battlefield's done a great job lately of breeding, you know, talent for that next level, and I don't think, you know, uh, if, if Mr. Goshani was, was on the phone with you there, I don't think he would hesitate to say, yeah, we love to see guys like Matt Dwyer go and win bonuses in the UFC after, you know, we're able to give them a platform to become that kind of a star. That does nothing but good for the organization. So if in a third fight Ryan James is able to put on another spectacular performance and he gets that opportunity, um, I'd be hard-pressed to, to seeing any reason why, you know, Jay would, would want to hold him back from being able to do that. It's more recognition that another battlefield champion has excelled to the level of the sport. Exactly. Darcy, thanks for your time, man. Just let people know where they can get a hold of you, social media universe, everything you have going on. I mean, Dish... Pump that shit out right now, man. Uh, you know, man, we, well, I'm doing something actually really cool, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to steal a minute and tell you guys about it uh, uh, while, while I have you here. Um, Michael Hill, former tough veteran, now training out of Checkmat Vancouver at Adam Ryan's gym, approached me a little while back, interested in what we're doing with Dish. Um, if you're not familiar with Dish, you can go to dishchef.com and check that out. We specialize in healthy meal prep. 
being all around healthy fast food. It's uh, kind of something that doesn't happen very often in this world. So Mike Hill and I spoke about potentially bringing this service to Vancouver and ways that we could do that. And uh, actually in the in the process of looking at opening a Dish Express that will be located out at Checkmat Vancouver, Adam Ryan's gym uh, out in Richmond there. So that's something for all the fighters and jiu-jitsu athletes and anybody in the lower mainland using their body and tool and they want to fuel it and not feed it, uh, it's potentially coming into the city to be available for you guys to do so. That's at Dish Chef on Instagram, at Dish Chef on Twitter, Dish Nanaimo on Facebook, although there will be a Dish Vancouver. Uh, you catch up with me, Darcy J. McBride, on Facebook as well and see everything that we're doing. Uh, in Nanaimo, located on Bowen Road, if you're in the business uh, wanting to eat healthy and not having to work too hard for it, we covered Nice, man. Now, and when, when do you think that Dish Vancouver will uh, be in the forefront? So with food, you can't rush certain things. There's some health, uh, health board issues we've got to cover. There's some transportation issues we've got to cover. Should all that go smoothly and nicely, having this happen by the end of the summer, back to school time when guys start spending a little more time in the gym and maybe you're getting back to a fuller work schedule. Anybody that's got fights or competitions coming up in that October, November, December, and on range, uh, you know, we want to be there to help tailor that diet to make everybody perform at their absolute best. Darcy, man, all the best, and thanks for coming on, dude. Not a problem, Jeremy. It's great to chat with you guys. Joining me now is UFC Fight Night 73 co-main event fighter Benil Dariush. This guy takes on Michael Johnson at the Bridgestone Arena in Nashville, Tennessee. Benil, thanks for joining me today, man. Thanks for having me. For sure. Now, what's what's training like right now leading up to this big fight? I mean, it's got to be one of the biggest fights of your career. Every fight I fight is the biggest fight of my career. Every fight I fight, I work as hard as I possibly can. You know, I, I don't look at it as uh, I know it's the biggest fight so far, but it doesn't mean it's going to be the biggest ever. I'm going to have bigger fights, but it doesn't change my mentality. I, I focus on it uh, as as hard as I can, basically. For sure. Now, this guy, I mean, you, you're both riding a four-fight winning streak. Um, you have a better record than him with only one blemish on your uh, record sheet. But he's ranked at number five in the lightweight division. You're not ranked at all. What's the deal with that? Uh, I'm actually ranked number 13, I think. Uh, not top 10, but that's my rank 13 uh, in the UFC. And then short yes, you're right. Five. Correct. 12, actually. 12. But he's at 5. So oh. so exactly. What's the deal with that? Yeah. You didn't realize it? 12. I didn't realize it either. <laughs> uh, it's all good. Well, I think he's been fighting some tough guys lately. That's one thing. And I think he's been in the UFC for a long time. So uh, I think he's been in the UFC for four years. So I think that's the difference right there. There you go. So what were your thoughts when you found out Michael Johnson was, was next on your rap sheet? That was an exciting matchup. Uh, he's got a lot of good tools, a lot of good weapons. He's got a lot of speed. It's just something interesting, something new I get to fight. Uh, you know, uh, it, it'll, be, it'll be fun figuring it out once I get in the cage. Any any uh, thoughts of, uh, I mean, this guy, as we said, he's been in the UFC for quite a while. Um, what do you see from his game that, that you can exploit? I think everything. Everything. I, think so. I, li- I, like the, I like that answer. Everything. <laughs> everything. I think I have a stand-up advantage. I think I have a ground advantage. I think I have a wrestling advantage. I don't... I don't go into this fight thinking I have to do this one thing in particular to win. I know I can beat him everywhere, and I'm going to show that. I don't fight. Uh, I don't fight to for one thing like, every time I fight because if that's how I fought, I would be very stressed out every time I fight. I, I don't have that issue. I, I train to be prepared for every position, and and if you look, I'm I'm very comfortable when I fight. I'm very relaxed, and I think that's where it comes from. Now, as I said, uh, you have one blemish on your score sheet or your rap sheet or your record, whatever you want to call it, and that's against Ramsey Nijam. Do you feel that, that people sort of uh, wash that loss out um, because of how fantastic you've looked since that loss? Uh, you know, uh, no. Someone said to me, oh, you beat the, you beat the guy that beat him. Uh, Carlos Diego fought him, knocked him out, and then I fought Carlos and I beat Carlos. But yeah, I don't do MMA match. 
that's not how I, it works in my mind. I, I, if I ever get a chance, I'd like to get that fight again. So in your mind, you're 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 definitely not looking past that one. No, no. If if, uh, if the matchup is ever presented, I'll accept it. Now, where do you think you fit? I mean, as we said, Johnson ranked at five. You ranked at twelve. I know you said you don't do MMA math. Rankings don't necessarily. I don't know whether they mean a lot to you, but where where do you see yourself with a win over this guy? I mean, that seven places in in differences between you two. Do you do you crack the top ten? Obviously, with a victory here. Uh, I hope so. At least uh, I'm hoping at least top ten, if not top five. Either way, it'll be interesting to see how that goes. I uh, I'm not really thinking ahead. I'm just focused on this guy because. With my uh, teammate being the champion, I've also I've also thought about moving up in weight. My coaches have uh, mentioned it to me, but then at the same time, he's talked to me about move up. So it's it's difficult. He's Rafael uh, dos Anjos has spoken to you about him moving up in weight. Yeah, he talked to me once or twice. I don't know how serious he was, but uh, but we'll see. So if that's the case, how comfortable if you move up in weight? How comfortable are you at that weight class? I mean, have you have you fought at that weight class before? I've never fought at that weight class before, but that would be so nice. <laughs> I would have to cut weight. I could uh, just focus and on fighting and and just eat. I don't know. It, it sounds really nice to me. For some reason, fighting one seventy sounds really nice. <laughs> Sounds really nice. I like it. Um, so, Michael Johnson, this guy, you you said that having the champ in the gym is is obviously something that helps. Um, fighting against a guy who is as tough as Michael Johnson, how much of an impact does having Rafael dos Anjos in the gym have on you? It's Rafael's Hoffa's my brother. You know, we, uh, we've been uh, since I've been in. Uh, in the UFC, he, I've been training with him, and actually a little bit before that too. So, it's it's you can't explain it just for one fight. Every fight that I fight, I, I know uh, knowing that I train with him gives me confidence. Knowing that uh, we have a we have a brotherhood, it gives me a lot of confidence. It, it gives me a lot of strength. Do you feel that having? I mean, you have two champions in the gym now. Does does that change the gym aspect at all? No, we do everything the same way. We don't, to be honest, we just make sure we don't let people we're not familiar with kind of come around and, and I, you know, just keeping the, our circle the same. Because uh, we started out with a small circle and, and now we've, we've accomplished quite a bit. So it, it doesn't necessarily need to get bigger to accomplish more. It just needs to be more focused. For sure. Did you know that if given the right opportunities that you guys would have champions within the gym? I knew Fabricio was going to be a heavyweight champion, and I knew Hoffa was going to be the lightweight champion. I see the way they train. They're, they're examples for me. I see the way they work, and it's it's, it's really nice watching watching their career unfold. They've, they've done amazing things. Let's talk about that heavyweight matchup. A lot of people blamed it on the altitude. A lot of people blamed it on the layoff. Do you think that if these two fought again, Fabrizio would have his way with with Kane all over again? Let's 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 talk about that. So, if it's the altitude, then let's just count the first round. The first round was back and forth. It was pretty even. It wasn't like. It wasn't like Kane came out the first round, dominated, and then all of a sudden, second and third round, he started getting tired. No, we came out the first round, we had an even round, and then he came out the second round, and all of a sudden, Fabricio started pulling away. People, people want to make excuses for uh, Kane because they can't accept how good, uh, how much uh, Fabricio's improved. It's hard to see. It's hard to believe that a guy who, <laughs> you know, who was throwing slaps at Andre Arlovski when they first fought is now outstriking Mark Hunt. Yeah. <laughs> now, you know, he, he took down Kane Velasquez. It's just people can't accept it because it's so amazing. <laughs> yeah, it, it, it is amazing because a lot of people out there, I mean, a lot of people thought that he had the possibility because Kane had a layoff. They they weren't taking the altitude or any of that stuff into into effect, and and not many people did until after the fight, which sort of takes away from Fabricio's win. Yeah, and and another thing was uh, they kept uh, his coaches kept saying he's in the best shape ever. 
you know, this is the best team we've ever seen. So it wasn't like they were making excuses before the fight, but as soon as the fight was over, all of a sudden, all of a sudden, you know, Kane was this, Kane was that. He should have done this. He should have done that. You know, it, it, they changed the they changed their tone really fast. It, it's not fair because uh, you know Fabrizio worked hard. He did everything right, and then these guys try to cheapen his uh, victory. It, 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 it's just not fair. And, and the you same. Know what, what I really like. What's that? He never made an excuse. No. The whole camp made excuses. He never made excuses. And I really respect that. Yeah, that was great. And and on the other side of things, Rafael Dos Anjos, now people are saying, you know, he, he he's into doping and all this other stuff, trying to take away from his lightweight title picture. Yeah, that's another thing. He's never been caught. He's never had any issues. You know, he's never missed weight. He's never had any issues with the with the athletic commission and all of a sudden everybody's on his case. I don't understand it. And here comes Donald Cerrone, you know, throwing accusations around and Donald Cerrone was the one who got caught for diuretics in 2007. (laughs) It's just not fair. It isn't. It isn't. Now, something that I wanted to ask you, coming into the UFC, you had a lot of pressure on your shoulders. You you came in with a highly touted name. A lot of people thought, oh, this guy is like a submission ace coming into the UFC. Um, you've, you fought and you've done well inside the octagon. Now that we said, you know, you said yourself, every fight is your biggest fight. I personally think this one against Michael Johnson is definitely your biggest fight. How much pressure is on your shoulders to live up to those expectations? Um, it's hard to explain pressure to people. People always tell me, are you nervous? Do you feel pressure? I, I, I believe pressure is God given and, and it's something, uh, uh, you can only put on yourself or God can put on you. Nobody else can put pressure on me. So if I feel pressure, it's because I put it on myself. So if I feel more pressure than usual, it's because I've decided to, I've decided to make this fight more important. No one, else can put more, uh, no one else can put pressure on me. Do you put a lot of pressure on yourself? Yeah, that's just normal. <laughs> that's just an everyday thing. Uh, I believe it makes me better. Mentally speaking, leading up to this fight, how do you see it playing out with Michael Johnson? Uh, I think we get, we get out there, we touch hands, he starts moving, showing uh, showing his speed and whatever, and then uh, we start we start uh, exchanging hands, and he, I think he thinks he's going to overwhelm me, uh, overwhelm me with uh, his striking, and uh, I'm, I'm going to show him otherwise. And if the fight goes to the ground, I have a, I, I believe I have a big advantage. So. Um, I, I plan on just showing him that he's he's not fighting a scrub. He's, this isn't my uh, this isn't me being a stepping stone for him. Uh, I'm, I'm here to win. Something I wanted to ask you as well, finally, before I let you go here, I, I asked you last year actually about your uh, first time training with King's MMA. And, he, and you, you wrote to me and you said, my first time training MMA, I somehow got stuck sparring with the pros and I got beat like I stole something. Just sort of talk me through that, that experience of walking into the gym for the first time and, and training MMA with these guys. I think um, my old coach used to do uh, jiu-jitsu and he, he started doing MMA and he was fighting MMA. So I... I one day he took me with him. I thought I was there just for jiu-jitsu. I would roll with some guys and whatever. And then out of nowhere, they're like, okay, you got a mouthpiece? I'm like, yeah, I got a mouthpiece. I was thinking to myself, maybe they're going to do like ground and pound, uh, pound or something. They're like, okay, here's some gloves. And then they gave me some gloves and they gave me some shin pads. And uh, all of a sudden, I see Jason Mayhem Miller, Fabricio Verdun, Babalu, and uh, Master Rafael Cordero. And my old coach, uh, Bruno Paulista, everybody starts sparring. And I'm like, what? How did I get stuck in here? <laughs> anyway, just, I went through that day. Just I, I took I took the beating of my life, and uh, it, it was uh, it was an eye opening experience. Let's just put it that way. You you said Jason Mayhem Miller. Do you see that guy all that often anymore? Because there was that that HBO series that came out last week where they featured him and he didn't put on uh, a great image of post MMA fighters. No, uh, I don't see Jason and you know, Jason, 
that that special from HBO, I think it's it's actually kind of messed up because they're uh, taking advantage of Jason. Jason needs help. Them going out there and filming him isn't going to make him think he needs help. It's going to make him think, oh, I'm on the right path. I'm doing the right thing. Look, I got cameras in my face. So uh, one thing uh, I think what HBO did was wrong. And then another thing, no, I haven't seen Jason in a long time, but I always do wish him the best, and, and I hope he gets the help that he needs. Yeah, it was very tough to watch. I mean, I mean, they, they, HBO tried to paint MMA in a bad light. Yeah, I, I, to be honest, I haven't watched it, so I don't know. But the fact that just the fact that they went over there just to put a camera in this guy's face, who, who's not doing well, it just tells you that they don't actually care about the person; they just want to get some views, and it's it's an ugly thing. Exactly, and you said, yeah, you said you haven't watched it. Well, basically, supposedly Jason made them stay there the whole day, and and they filmed him drinking alcohol, smoking weed, and, and just talking up a storm about absolutely nothing, really. Yeah, like I said, Jason needs help, and. Yeah, I, that's that's pretty much all I got for that. Yeah, definitely. Well, you're set to take on Michael Johnson at UFC Fight Night 73, August 8th. Um, just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe. Any shout-outs you want to give? The floor is yours. Um, uh, I'd like to thank my fans, everybody that uh, always supports me. I'm really grateful. As far as um, uh, social media, you can follow me on just my name, Ben Il Daryush. You can find me on Instagram, you can find me on Twitter, and you can find me on uh, Facebook as well. Uh, I don't have uh, any different kind of, you know, names for all my accounts. They're <laughs> all the same under Benil Daryush. I want to say your your pixelated uh, t-shirt that, that you had made was absolutely awesome, and it's a shame that with all the Reebok stuff, out, you, you can't walk out to the cage with that. You know, as bad as, uh, as, bad as people make the Reebok thing look, I would never be able to walk out with that because of sponsors. If you think about it, everybody talks about individuality, but I was a poster for uh, for sponsoring comp- uh, companies. And so either way, it was never like I was being an individual. It was just like who was going to pay me the most. Yep. So I, I, as much as I want to wear that shirt too, it was never going to happen. I like that outlook because you you know you don't hear a lot of guys talk like that. You hear them bitch and complain about not making enough money. They they're not talking about how they're looked as individuals at all. They're they're talked about you know losing the money. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. For me, with uh, with what I was getting paid in sponsors, maybe it would have been different now with the co-main event. But I'm not I'm not losing a lot. Uh, so, and I I feel like this. This Reebok deal is very professional. I, I I do like the idea of us having having this. I, I think it, it, it could take our sport to the next level. So I, I don't mind it right now. And I think in the long run, there. I mean, it is just the beginning of things right now. In the long run, there will be some individual individuality where where guys have gear that looks a little different from others. Yeah, I'm not I'm not really sure where it's going. Uh, I hope it goes to a good place, but I can't judge it right now because I don't have enough details. I don't have enough information. I, I once this thing gets rolling, let's give it a year, and then I'll give you a better, better uh, judgment on it. Sounds good. We'll talk then, Benil. All the best, August eighth. Uh, good luck against Michael Johnson. Can't wait to see that fight. Thank you very much. You take care. Not too long ago. She graduated the Storm Wrestling Academy with Lance Storm. She's from Victoria, British Columbia. You may know her as Jada, but she's tough enough Chelsea Green. Thanks for joining me today, Chelsea. Thank you very much for having me. Now, we don't have professional wrestlers on the show, as we're a mixed martial arts show all too often. Why don't you just give our listeners a sort of background on you? How does a girl from Victoria, B.C. get into pro wrestling? Is it something that, that you grew up enjoying Were you for, as a young girl? Did you watch pro wrestling all throughout your life? You know what? Actually, I was not allowed to watch wrestling when I was younger. My mom wouldn't let my sister and I, so we used to have to sneak upstairs and watch it while we were making food. But I've always had a love for it. Um, and I've been, I've had a pretty athletic background 
in high school, I played all sorts of sports, track and field, soccer. Um, we did a little bit of wrestling in gym class. So when I moved to Calgary and um, found out that Lance Storm had a school there, I knew it was something that I had to try. And the minute I stepped in that ring, I fell totally in love with wrestling. And I knew that um, if I pursued this, that I could get somewhere with it. You know, I, I've always had that drive and that passion. And wrestling was just another thing that I absolutely fell in love with. How long ago was it that you that you uh, worked with Lance Storm and graduated from that academy? I was with Lance Storm from January 2013 to end of April or beginning of April, I believe, 2013. Wow, three months long, um, five days a week. So that that's amazing that that you've gone through this process and and it's. I mean, we're in 2015. That's only two years ago. I know it's amazing, isn't it? it? It it really has happened so quickly for me, and I'm lucky because there are a lot of people that are trying at this for you know ten years or so, and I just happen to shake the right hands and um, impress people with the way that I presented myself as a wrestler. Now we found out about you because of um, ECCW, which is a local promotion up here in Vancouver, BC. Um, just speak about having the chance to wrestle for that company. Um, well, I actually wrestled for quite a few companies around BC. I wrestled for um, Vancouver Island Pro Wrestling, um, ECCW, of course, and I wrestled for um, All Star Wrestling as well as Girls Gone Wrestling. Um, the indie scene around BC is amazing because we do have some great talent, and so it forces me to step outside of my comfort zone and try new things, whether it be trying new moves or trying new characters or um, new looks, and I really had a fun time learning from all of um, all of the talent that I met around BC. It, was, it definitely forced me to step my game up. You aren't in BC anymore at the moment. You're filming Tough Enough, WWE is Tough Enough. And uh, you're one of the final four women on the show. But initially, you were not yeah. casted. You, uh, you went through the tryout process, and, and you didn't make the cut. Um, what was your thought process when that happened? How, how did that weigh on you mentally when, when you weren't picked to be on the show initially? Well, coming down to Florida, there was no doubt in my mind that I was going to be picked. Honestly, I thought, I've got this as long as I show them... Um, how hard I can work. I know I have the personality. I know I have the drive and I know that I can get in the ring and um, have a good match. So I'm thinking, you know, I've got this easy. And when I came here, it was amazing. The amount of talent, not wrestling talent per se, but you know, the fitness models, the um, pro athletes, the MMA fighters, it was very, very tough competition. So when I left, I knew I had tried my best. I knew I had given it 110% in the tryouts. I had showed them who I was, and it just wasn't fit for the show at the time. Um, and I went home kind of, you know, a little bit bummed, but thinking at least I shook, you know, some more hands, and I got myself in that door, and there's nothing that could come of that that's negative, you know, and you're getting into the WWE Performance Center. How can you twist that and turn it into a bad thing? So I, I went home. Um, and I packed up my stuff and I was ready to actually head back and train with Lance Storm for a little bit and make sure that I was polished up. And that is when I got the call to come back and take Diana's place. And it's one of those moments where I was in the car and I honestly just pulled a U-turn and headed straight <laughs> back to unpack my bags in Victoria. And it was like, it's, it's fate, isn't it? No kidding. Now, now That's you were the brought back. I can describe it. It's total fate. Yeah, for sure. Now you were brought back as as it was sort of. It ended up being a bit of a plot twist, being that you were brought back to the show. What was <laughs> what was the response from the other cast members like when you came back to the show? Um, you know what? I think if it was anybody else, it might have been a. There might have been a little more hostility, um, but the girls know that. I wanted this so bad. They knew that I had been um, wrestling on the indie scene and that I deserved this chance. So they actually welcomed me back with open arms. Of course, like, you know, like 
any house that you're living in, there's always going to be a little bit of, you know, drama or, or people are going to be a little standoffish, um, but they warmed up to me really, really quickly. And I'm very thankful for that because in this competition, you know, you only have time to focus on yourself and your game. What has the, the wrestling in this experience been like in comparison to, to wrestling on the indie scene? Well, right now we're going back to the basics. So um, we're learning things like lockups and taking bumps. And um, it's nice to go back to the basics and make sure that I'm perfecting them because those are things that when you're on the indie scene, you tend to lose the crispness of and the perfection of. So we're going back and we're starting from the beginning. And um, it's, it's a learning curve for me as well because, yes, I already know this. I know how to do it but I don't necessarily know how to do it the WWE way. And um, in my mind, that is the perfect way, and I'm getting the perfect coaching and training right now. So um, it's it's really amazing to be here at the Performance Center. Now, the, the, the women in the sport of professional wrestling have been around forever. I mean, we've seen Mae Young, and, and then it got to the Lita days, and now it seems like women in pro wrestling are at a point where they've never been before, and, and it's more popular than ever. Would you agree? Yes, definitely. It's amazing. Um, I think that because we're bringing girls in from all different backgrounds and, and um you know, all different sports, every single girl brings something different to the table. So it's amazing when you see these matches with the NXT girls that are coming up and debuting um, on the main roster, they have all these amazing athletic abilities and skills that they are, um, that they're showing us that we've never really seen before. What what are your thoughts on, on that? I mean, is that, is that the reason why you got into Tough Enough? Did you think that that was the your main way, your your road into the WWE? Or, or did you think that there was a possibility that NXT could be that stepping stone? You know what? At this point, whoever called me from WWE, doesn't matter what opportunities they gave me, even if it was, you know, coming in here and training and and not being on any sort of roster, I would take it because at this point, I love wrestling so much that I just want to take that next step. So for me, when Tough Enough called, it, it's a no-brainer. How could I say no to something that could give me the opportunity to have a job with and a career with the WWE when that's all I've wanted? Obviously, we, we are a mixed martial arts show. Um, you know that. Uh, the mixed martial arts yeah. world and the UFC have, have a television show, a reality show called The Ultimate Fighter. Now, for our viewing fans... Yeah. Why, why don't you just, les- or listening fans, uh, for that matter, why don't you just let them know what exactly Tough Enough is? What, what's the scope of things? I mean, the Ultimate Fighter guys go into a house, they live there for months, and uh, they have to fight a number of times to get into the UFC. What's the scope of Tough Enough? So what it is, is um, we've got a group of males and a group of females, and we moved into the barracks. Um Now, we go into the performance center every day. We do in-ring training as well as training in the gym. Um, We get to train with the coaches here, some of the superstars and legends, um, and the divas. And twice a week, we have challenges. We have an in-ring challenge, um, and there's a winner from that, a male and a female. And we have a challenge sometimes outdoors, sometimes in swamps, sometimes in comedy clubs this could be just a challenge you know anywhere um and there's a winner for the males and females of that we also have um the reality side of things where we film a little bit in the barracks just to show you know the pressures that are put on us or um the things that we deal with on a day-to-day basis um and then on tuesday at um 8 p.m. Eastern Time. So for you guys in BC, it's going to be 5 p.m. Um, we have our live show, and that shows basically a recap of the week, the winners, uh, male and female of the challenges, uh, a little bit of the drama in the house, and um, we get to interact with the judges and the coaches and Chris Jericho. Um, that happens for an hour every week. So that's kind of in a very, very short 
um, time limit. Um, <laughs> that is what we do on a, a weekly basis. Um, now, we also have our after show, which is Tough Talk with The Miz, where we get a little more down and dirty about the details of the week and, um, you know, our feelings. And so it's, it's pretty amazing, you know, all the stuff that we do in about five days, seven days. Yeah, it sounds like a great experience. Now, just two more questions for you. I know time is short. Um, are you a mixed martial arts fan? Yes, I am. Well, how could you not be a Ronda Rousey fan? <laughs> she fights this weekend. Uh, do you have any predictions? You know what? I'm I'm Ronda all the way. Team Ronda all the way. <laughs> no kidding. Now, yeah, well, it would be dumb to say anything else, right? <laughs> ex- exactly. <laughs> now, I I know we had you on to help promote you a little bit. Um, for your BC fans and for the fans all over, why don't you cut a promo why they should keep an eye on Chelsea Green and Jada in WWE Tough Enough? Yes, for sure. Um, you know what? I didn't come to Tough Enough to step in the ring and decide if I like wrestling or decide if this is for me. I know it's for me. I've spent two years training my butt off because this is for me. And I'm just stepping in this ring and stepping on stage at Tough Enough to show everybody that this is my passion and that I deserve this. And I'm not going to give up on it, whether, you know, I am chosen or not. I will be on the main roster. It's just a matter of time, and you'll have to wait and see. Thanks a bunch, Chelsea. It's been a pleasure. Why don't you just let people know where they can get a hold of you in the social media universe and uh, follow you anywhere else? Yes, yeah, so um, everyone, if you guys can download the WWE Tough Enough app, um, if I happen to be in the bottom three on Tuesdays, you can vote for me to stay in the competition that way. You can also vote um, on Twitter, hashtag ToughChelseaG, and, um, and they'll calculate those votes. Um, but if you do want to follow me on Twitter, my Twitter is at ToughChelseaG. Um, you can also follow me on any other form of social media, Chelsea A. Green. Chelsea, thanks a bunch. Uh, good luck with this Tough Enough experience, but also good luck in your wrestling career in the future. Thank you very much, Jeremy. Thanks for having me. That about does it for this edition of Sucker Radio here on MMASucker.com as well as Last Word on Sports.com. I'm not going to talk any news this week. I'm going to leave that to my man Chris Toplack at Talking Combat, which airs each and every Sunday morning, depending on where you're at in the world. Could be Sunday morning, could be Sunday afternoon. Hell, it could be Monday for some of you out there. Um, he does it each and every Sunday, so check it out. Talking Combat with Chris Toplack. He has the news, he has the goods. Check it out. This weekend is UFC 190, as I said at the beginning of the show. I'm not going to talk about the card. It's rousied out. Um, but head on over to DraftKings.com. Enter in the promo code MMASucka. Use our links from Twitter, at MMASucka. Like our Facebook page and use the DraftKings link from there. Or our dedicated articles over at MMASucka.com, which feature DraftKings. Use those links as well. I have absolutely nothing left in the gas tank for this episode. So with that, I am out. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker, radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker, radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker, radio. It's the radio, it's the, it's the radio, sucker, sucker, radio. Come and listen, it's about that time. Yes, download the show or you can stream online. Out.